welcome to Holding Fast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it gripped firmly and unshakably to the solid rock of the Word of God? Good to welcome you in the podcast today. We are looking at the Passion Week. We are taking the time to examine uh, the events that unfolded during this special time of the year. It's actually my favorite time of the year, and I know that there are some somber events that occur during this week of passion, of the suffering of our Lord, but yet there are also some exciting times to remember what has been, what price has been paid for the cost of our salvation. If you're listening to this podcast right now and your relationship with God is negligent or perhaps non-existent, I want to challenge you right now that if you're hearing these words that uh, the the Bible has recorded for us the greatest love letter you'll ever read in your entire life. I have a number of love letters from my wife who before we were married, we would uh, exchange letters expressing our affections to one another and so on. And I've kept those through the years and they're very precious to me. Uh, but yet there is another love letter. It's a love letter called the Bible, and it is an expression of God's extravagant, wonderful, expensive grace that he poured out and lavished on me in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, in that he died on Calvary's cross, not for any sin of his own, but for my own guilt, for my own sin, my burden, Christ hung on that cross, and he did that for you as well. The greatest news in all of the world is what's happening this week as we're reminded of those events that happened so long ago. And so I want to challenge you today. There are some 4,300 different religions in the world, but there's only one empty tomb. And the Lord Jesus got up, and he rose, and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he loves you. But... When we recall the events that are laid out in Scripture, uh, the 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 t- um, uh, events that happened in the life of the Lord leading up to Calvary, it's also full of instruction to us. And there are some great thoughts that happened during this time that I'm I just don't have time. If I had a hundred podcasts to be able to deliver to you about uh, things that are instructive, but the one I want to point out today today is Wednesday of the Passion Week. There were a number of events that went on uh, during the morning time and during the daytime of Wednesday. Uh, some of those are significant events that uh, that I enumerated even on the, the uh, on on Tuesday's podcast, and I remarked there that it's sometimes hard to determine hard uh, uh, very uh, precisely all of the teaching that the Lord gave during on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday of the week. It was a very busy time. But we do know that there was a lot of teaching, but on Wednesday, things started to get down to the nitty-gritty of what how things were going to unfold. And of course, the Lord taught the Olivet Discourse, but one of the most significant things is when they were getting ready to celebrate the Seder, the, the uh, Passover together. And again, uh, there are times when Jewish people would maybe not just celebrate at one time, but multiple times in preparation for the Passover. But Jesus chose to celebrate that with his disciples in the upper room. And uh, you remember that the Lord arranged for all of that and gave his disciples instructions on how to make that unfold. 
And in Matthew chapter 26, we read about, though, probably the most significant thing of Wednesday evening that went on into what would have been considered next day on Thursday when the Lord would have been crucified. And I want to just draw some lessons from that for the podcast today, and hopefully it'll be a blessing and cause you to just reflect a little bit on uh, some, some great truths. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 14, listen to these verses. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests, and said unto them, What will ye give me that I will deliver him unto you? Surely one of the blackest questions ever recorded in the history of Scripture. But that's a significant one. The Bible goes on, And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as, he, as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto them, Thou hast said. So in the beginning of this passage, you read how the Lord was betrayed by Judas into the hands of his enemies. Uh, the priests and the, scribe, the scribes were really anxious to put him to death. They were at a loss to know how to make that happen. The crowds were flocking around, and they didn't want to make a public spectacle of the whole situation and get all folks upset. And so at this point, it was really fitting to find out somebody who would be able to uh, make the transaction happen and enter uh, Judas Iscariot, that false prophet, as he ended up being. Um, and he undertook to deliver uh, the master into their hands for 30 pieces of silver. And as I mentioned to you, there are fewer black marks on Scripture than that particular thing in the history of humanity. One man said, who was a poet, commenting on this situation, he said, uh, sharper than a serpent's tooth is a thankless child. Uh, what do we think about a disciple who would betray his own master? If you think about that, it's a significant thing. An apostle who would sell out Christ um, that must have been a very devastating thing, not just for the Lord himself, but of course for the other disciples. There's a couple lessons, or at least two or three lessons I want to share with you in the time remaining. Number one, can I suggest to you from that passage that I read that a man can enjoy great spiritual privileges and even have an outwardly great religious uh, profession of his own life, and yet the entire time that man will uh, may not be right 
before God. You think about this for a moment. Uh, This can be so true. I've seen this happen in the lives of people even today who make a great show of their spirituality, but in reality, when it comes right down to it, their life is hostile toward God and their thoughts and their purposes and motivations. Judas Iscariot had the greatest religious privileges. Think about it. He was a chosen disciple. He was a companion of Jesus. He was an eyewitness of the Lord's miracles. He was a constant uh, listener of his sermons. He saw what Abraham and Moses could only think of and dream of. He heard what David and Isaiah never heard. He lived in a society and in, a, in the company of these other 11 disciples, he was a fellow laborer with Peter and James and John. But for all of that, his heart apparently was never changed. And he hung on desperately to a besetting sin that clouded his heart and blinded him. He, 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 there's no doubt that he had a reputation. He was a he was a, 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 a professor of religion. Uh, there was nothing but what was right and proper that must have shown up in his life. I mean, you think about this. He appeared to believe and to give up everything for Christ's sake, as the disciples said that they would do. We'll give up everything and come after you. You know, you think about it, even that event in the life of the disciples when Jesus sent them out, he was sent forth to go out and preach and to to work miracles. And there's not one of the 11 disciples that actually said or, or, or suspected him even of being a hypocrite. When the Lord said at the Last Supper, one of you is going to betray me, nobody turned and looked and said, aha, it was you, Judas. And yet all of this time, his heart never changed. I want you to think about that very deeply here during this podcast It is possible for you to carry a nice Bible, to dress the part, to go around with a reputation that somehow you're a spiritual person and yet not know Christ in in the right kind of way. There's all the more reason for us to pray that verse in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Uh, That's something that we need to be sensitive to. Uh, that we have to have a genuine conversion. Secondly, let me suggest to you from this passage that the love of money is one of the greatest traps and snares for a man's heart. You really can't think of any clearer picture of that than with the case of Judas. Did Did you hear that question that I read at the very beginning that Judas went to the high priest and asked in verse 15, what will ye give me that I will deliver him, that I will betray him to you? What are you going to give me? That really pulls back the curtain and exposes uh, the besetting sin of his heart. That was what revealed his ruin. Uh, he had given up, at least he thought, a lot for Christ's sake, but he sure hadn't given up his covetousness and his desire for those things. The words of the Apostle Paul should ring in our hearts when we read that passage that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And the church and the Bible supports that, does it not? I mean, Joseph was sold by his brethren. Samson was betrayed by the Philistines. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, deceived Naaman. 
uh, for money. Ananias and Sapphira. Boy, there's some. There's a stark uh, picture for you. Uh, and then for money, the Son of God was delivered into the hands of wicked men. Let's be on our guard about the love of money, folks. And by the way, you know it doesn't take a lot of money to love it. It takes a worship and adoration of it and thinking, if I could just get a little bit more, I'll be happy in life. You know, more stuff you have, the more troubles you have. The more you have, the more difficulty you experience. Uh, let's remember this, folks, that uh, don't let it have the mastery over you. Don't let it harden your heart. Don't let it be that which becomes an idol to you. And we ought to think of those solemn words in the scripture in the book of Proverbs. It says, what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Uh, you've brought nothing into this world, I said Matthew. I said Proverbs, but in Matthew, we have brought nothing into this world and you can't take anything out of it. Uh, this is... A constant warning to us. And then last of all, that saying, and I'll close with this, that it would have been good for that man if he had not been born is a significant statement. And that is this, there is a hopeless condition of all who die unconverted. That's the words of the Lord, is it not? It'd been good if he had never been born. It teaches us, that one man said it this way, it teaches plainly that it is better never to live at all than to live without faith and die without grace. Now, there is no change in hell. The great gulf that's between hell and heaven is one that nobody can ever pass over. That's what the scripture says. Uh, that's a significant statement. Uh, if there was ever any end to hell, then it wouldn't be a real hell. Uh, there's no such thing as universal salvation in found in the scripture. The hell will one day come to an end and everybody will be saved. There, there's, there, there's no truth to that. Unless one is born again, it's been bo better if you were not born at all. That's a great truth today. There's a lot of people that dislike the reality and eternity of hell. We live in a day when this kind of twisted love and twisted teaching makes many to exaggerate God's mercy uh, at the expense of his justice. God is a God of love, but God is a God of justice. So let's leave off that kind of teaching and let's be reminded of how important it is to, on this day of grace and salvation, to trust in the Lord and not, not deny the doctrine of the gospel and be under and understand today that Christ has provided a way of escape that Judas, because of his sin, was blinded to. May God bless us today as we meditate on these truths. Tune in tomorrow. We'll be meditating on the Passion Week once again and uh, listen to the podcast regularly and frequently, not as a substitute for your devotions, but as uh, an addendum to it to help you to focus on your love for God. Walk with the Lord today. Keep your eyes fixed on Him.